Welcome to I See What You Mean, a podcast about how people get on the same page or don't, or perhaps shouldn't. Today, my guest is Joe Lani. Joe is a founder and owner of Project Management Experts in Leesburg, Virginia, and a longtime friend and consulting colleague. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, Lou. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. Give us a short bio so listeners know something about you. PME, Project Management Experts, uh, has been around since 2008 or so. And we're a project management and agile training company. We have over 30 instructor-led project management classes, agile classes, uh, leadership classes. And we primarily work with the federal government. Uh, that's, that's our market here in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. But we also offer over, over 300 uh, e-learning online on-demand courses uh, for students that either don't have the time or need to get quick training to maintain their certifications, et cetera. So, so it's fun. That's I enjoy nice. it, and I, I like helping people, and I like helping people's careers. And, yeah. Uh, it's and fun, you, so I'm and glad you, to be with you. Before you began the training, you were a project manager in some software development and other. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've been. It's it's over. I I stopped counting. It's been 35 years. <laughs> I started with Ernst and Young. Although back when I was with them, they were Arthur Young. It, some of the old school folks would remember <laughs> Arthur Young. So I, that's where I got my start in project management. It was probably in the 90s I really got interested in, in best practices. I mean, I thought there had to be a method to this madness. And that's about the time where the Project Management Institute was starting to really take a hold in our industry and, and develop practices and create a common way of addressing yeah. and managing projects. So yeah. I worked in PMOs and project management offices uh-huh, yeah. and, and uh, had a lot of fun doing that and uh, decided my last job would be working for myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Excellent. Well, we yeah. have a lot to talk about when it comes to project management and getting on the same page. I, I'm not certified, although you try to certify me. I just wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't available. I could have used that on-demand. Uh, yep. <laughs> opportunity about yeah, eight years ago takes a commitment it, it, it and i didn't have the time but i'm well aware of the depth and breadth of project management as a as a proper practice like the PMBOK as a as a standard right the project mm-hmm. management body of knowledge and it's mm-hmm. it's broad and it's deep so there's a lot that people have to get on the same page about but let's start with just a a, a, a broad question to you mm-hmm. what does it mean for people to be on the same page in a project, there's so many roles, so many people, so many things. What's it mean? Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a good question, and it on face value, it it, it feels very black and white. But being on the same page is, at least in my mind, is the equivalent of asking, you know, what is what is the meaning of life? <laughs> I mean, it's just that broad. It's just it's that broad. Um, and the reason I say this is, is because. This is a communication question. I mean, this is how do we communicate effectively? Why do we communicate? We communicate, especially in project work, uh-huh. we communicate because we have a clearly defined goal, not always, especially in certain agile related projects, but we have a general goal and we all have to get there. We as a team, we as a project team have to get there. And we've yeah. got to get there together. And it helps to be on the same page, but getting there is difficult because 
again, we're talking about communication. We're talking about, a, you know, the old sender and receiver model where we're, you know, both parties are communicating and we're refining our messages so that we're on the same page. And, and that's where, the, that's where the, the rubber hits the road, because when we communicate, you know, we bring with us so much baggage. We bring, up, we bring in our upbringing, our communications, our personality styles, our previous experiences yeah. in just about everything that we communicate. Yeah. And it can be, can be relatively simple. For example, uh, I can remember being a kid you know, growing up and my, every morning, my mother would yell up the steps, you know, don't forget to make your bed. Right. <laughs> and, and to this day in, in my house, you know, my wife and I, my job is to make the bed in the morning. It's probably because I'm the last one out of it. She gets up earlier than I do. And, you know, and occasionally she'll say to me, did you, did you make the bed? And my first response is stop nagging me. <laughs> And I know where it comes from. It comes from, you know, being a teenager and being told, you know, hey, did you make your bed? And and she's not doing anything wrong. I mean, it's a matter of we bring with us all that, all that with us in every communication that we so are we on the same page? Well, frankly, the bed's made. Right. right. So we're on the same page. (laughs) But what I'm hearing and what she's communicating is sometimes totally different things. So that's just a simple, simple example. But anytime we communicate, yeah. we, we bring that we bring that background, we bring that baggage, if you will, um, well, and, and into the communication. You're so right. And what's so powerful about that, the example is powerful because it's simple. So if there can mm-hmm. be different meanings meant or not meant in such a simple communication, we, can, we know how complicated communication can be at work on a project when you've got people on a project team representing different parts of an organization, right? Mm-hmm. And they all live in their own worlds, meaning, mm-hmm. and those worlds are big. If you come from production or delivery, or you come from working with the customer, or you come from IT or HR, there's a whole world unto itself that you, yeah. like you said, the baggage you bring to the meet, you bring to the project. Yeah. And That's right. there's ways in which we, there's things that we see in a situation and, and not other things. Mm-hmm. And there's things that we make of a situation and not other things. Mm-hmm. And there's things that we think we should do about a situation as a means to an end and not other things. If you've got two people or 10 people doing that, independently, it gets complicated. It is. And so the challenge, in any, and, and you're, and the challenge in any relationship is to align that. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're absolutely right. It's communicate. Communication is the means of the mechanism by which we try to align all those things. Mm-hmm. So what, 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 what well, makes for good communication in, on a project team to well, manage the kind of things we've just described? Well, I think that, you know, I think Stephen Covey said it best when he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, no, to be understood, we must first seek to understand. Yeah. And I think what he actually said was, um, you must first seek to understand and then seek to, un- to be understood. Yeah. So my answer to that question is, you know, we have to listen. We have to active listening. We have to provide feedback. We have to negotiate. The biggest thing is empathy and understanding. Even, in, in, even though we don't agree, right. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you an example, Lou. Just very recently, I, you know, I have a, 
I have a small cadre of, of instructors. And in my industry, it's not uncommon for training companies to grab instructors from industry to jump in and teach a class right. and then go away. They're not employees, but they're independent contractors. Right. Now, I try to keep the same small cadre so of instructors, but I had one particular instructor. Uh, we had a discussion. She told me as we were coming out of COVID in, in November and December, you know, all of my instructors except one, this is a, is, is vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And she told me, she said, Joe, look, I, I'm just not comfortable getting vaccinated. And she sent this in an email and I said, Oh God, this is going to be a problem mm -hmm. because you know, I'm responsible for my, giving you my perspective, I'm responsible for at the very minimum, when students and instructors show up to teach for PME, at a very minimum, you know, I, it's an expectation that they will be safe, mm -hmm. that they won't leave there being sick or, or even getting very sick and dying. Right. And I'm talking about everybody, not just the students, but my instructors as well. Right. And I take that very, I take that very seriously. And she told me, She's, and then I decided, I said, okay, okay, look, you and I need to talk a little bit. I need to understand. Now, I'm fully vaccinated sure. and boosted, as are all most of my all of my other instructors except one. And we had a talk, and and I told myself going into that conversation, I was going to really have to listen to what she had to say. There you go. Okay. And I and I and I I totally, in in all fairness, I don't agree with her. She has some, you know, she has some religious issues with it. She has some, and she's angry with the pharmaceutical companies, and she has elderly parents that she's helping take care of. Hmm. But I listened, and I said, and she told me, she explained her position, and she said, look, I understand. She goes, I, I take a test daily. I'll take a test before I go into class. And But I listened to her, and I, I really tried to understand her perspective. And she and I explained to her too my perspective, and I explained to her, look, yeah, it feels yeah. like to me that I'm more concerned about your health than you're concerned about your own health. And we laughed, <laughs> and she said, "Yeah, but I'm willing to take the She's risk." She's taking that risk, right? With that, right? And I said, which "I respect that." Which is her choice. But now, you can't let the students take that risk without. That's not right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and, and by the way, she's a great instructor and I'll, I'll you know, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, that I need her. Yeah. I mean, she's good yeah. instructor. She's knowledgeable. Yeah. She has the certifications that she needs in order to teach certain classes that yeah. we offer. Yeah. And I like her very much. She's not somebody that I dislike. Yeah. If she went so, away, you wouldn't care. Right. Right. And so I care about her and I care about my students and I explained that to her. But I listened. I could have said to her, look, hey, if you're not vaccinated, we can't use you, period. Right, right, right. Um, I could your, have made a mandate. prerogative, yeah. Yeah, and she's not an employee. Right. Right, so it would be very easy for me to say, hey, and I can find other instructors, to be honest with you, but I don't want to well, let me because you, I let like me, keeping – Let me ask you a question but, because you yeah. have Covey's statement at, as your e as a, the bottom of your emails. I know that it yeah. is important to you. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal that you – prepped yourself for the call with her by saying, I got to listen. Yeah. Because what that tells me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and you tell me if, if I'm right or wrong. What that tells me is you were aware of your own reaction to her email. You were aware of a, opinions, concerns, a position mm -hmm. you had uh, as the mm -hmm. owner of the business. Those are your contracts with the federal government, right? Yeah. So yeah. you were aware of those things 
that you didn't, you didn't, you didn't take an approach to the call where you were going to be sure that you, you didn't start with those things. You started with no. listening. So yes, where did you learn along the way? This is a personal thing. It doesn't have to do with project management, but where did you learn along the way to check yourself <laughs> that way, to check yourself and say, let me hear and see what I learn, because then it might change what I think, or it might not, but I'm in a different position to speak after I've heard. Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, when I think back on my career, you know, I've always, and, and it's grown over the years, I've sure. always believed in more of a collaborative approach. I've always believed in building relationships with people never totally bought into command and control type mm -hmm. attitude where you, I'm in charge, you do what I say, mm -hmm. you know, and it's all about what I want and everybody else must follow. Yeah. And so when I, I found myself in, in cultures uh, yeah. that didn't buy into that. Yeah. I'll, another, I remember years ago, I worked for a company and I was running a project management office and I was a senior director and my vice president decided to join one of my project meetings. <laughs> and we were getting, I was, we were, I was trying to implement or recommending we implement some changes in how we manage projects. Uh -huh. it, it put it in a nutshell. And I was getting feedback. I was getting feedback from various team members. What do you think about this? Will this work? And the reason I was getting it because, you know, I was relatively new with the company and, and some of these folks had been in the company sure. six, seven years. Sure. So even though, you know, I'm the leader yeah. or the manager, They've it would be foolish for me to, right. yeah, to not to go into the, you know, into the lieutenants and say, well, what do you all think of this? Yeah, right. Is this going to work? And when I did this, my vice president shot a look at me. Uh-huh. You know, it's one of those piercing looks. <laughs> he shot a look at me, and I pulled him aside after the meeting, uh -huh. and I asked him, I said, hey, what was that about? And he says, do you have any questions or comments? And he, and he looked at me and says, you're the director. Uh -huh. you, don't ask for, you don't ask for feedback. <laughs> you do it. It shocked me. It took me off guard. Sure and, did. you know, I didn't, I, I didn't, frankly, I didn't last in that company much right. long after There you go. That. There you go. And, um, so by, but I just knew it wasn't my style. When you were speaking, I was thinking, I want you to pick up, I was thinking about your personality mm -hmm. and style. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's where I wanted to ask you. Well, yeah, it, it, I think for me, it's a personality thing. You know, remember, you know, you and I came up in the, in the eighties and the nineties yeah. when organizations were running mostly in a command. Yeah, control. there was still that. What was that, you know, that the Henry Ford, uh, you yeah. know, uh, that industrial era exactly. mindset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the Japanese, lines. yeah, and the Japanese taught us that, you know, uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a, a frontline worker in a factory, you can stop the plant, you can stop the assembly line and, and, and management must come down and listen to you and engage with you. Yeah. And they found that it created better products. Better quality. Right? <laughs> Total quality. Quality products. Exactly. Okay. So let's go back to your story. I didn't mean to yeah. cut, cut you off. I wanted to ask you, I, mm -hmm. I think it's most of what people think when they think of communication is sending. You, you mentioned the send receiver yeah. model. And most of what yeah. people think is sending. And if you Google effective communication, most of what you see is about how to send better. 
how to be right. clearer, how to be more persuasive, all those, right? And it's a billion-dollar industry, right? Mm-hmm. There's stuff out there about listening, but it's the... Mm-hmm. It gets the minority emphasis in in mm-hmm. in in the it gets it's the mm-hmm. minority note it's the lighter note in the symphony, but mm-hmm. you said approaching the call I knew I had to listen, so then mm-hmm. how did how did it go? I think that's great that you caught yourself that way and that you trained yourself that way. Yeah, how did it yeah, go? Yeah, it was it was a first of all it was a conscious it was a conscious right. effort. Right. It 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 I think for you know, for a lot of us that doesn't come naturally, we, we want to, we want to get our point across and we'll do whatever, whatever we can to make sure we're heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this situation, you know, I knew it was, I had to consciously say, I need to hear her out. So when you she know, was and, speaking, were you picking up well, on things I, she said and, and asking more about them? Were you like checking yeah. your own impulse to, to jump in and yeah. Um, now with her, it's easy. Now it, it varies with the individual. With okay. her, it's easy because yeah. you know we have a good relationship. Right. She respects me. Right. I respect her. There you go. Okay. Um, you know, and and so it was. It was easier. Some people, it's it's just it's just harder yeah. to to listen True. to. True. So when I jumped in, I decided I need to listen first, and I needed to understand what the issues were. And I was very happy to hear that the issues were not. You know, it was less about, you know, I don't believe the vaccine works or it wasn't anything, wasn't conspiracy theories. There were there were heartfelt things with her that were important. And so it made so frankly, when I listened to her and I got her feedback, I felt much better because this wasn't based in her her opinions, weren't based in lies. And weren't they? Now I've had other conversations with family members that were totally based in lies, and that's much harder. But it can be done if you consciously go into it yeah, with you're that right. attitude. You're right. I will listen first. But I think Lou, it's important, in my view anyway, it's important to consciously say to yourself, "I will go in and I will start with listening. Mm-hmm. I will start." And doesn't mean that you're there to be bowled over. No, no, no. Right? You're not there to be. You're there to have an opinion. You're there to express yourself. You might be there you're to there decide. there to persuade. Yeah. Yes, and to make a decision. Yeah. So you heard things that you could respect, and then that conversation yeah. went, well, you, then I know you. Mm-hmm. We've known it for 20 years now. I know that what you would have said to her, you would have delivered respectfully. Could I, I can imagine that conversation going well, which mm-hmm. is how, which is what you said it did. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're still working with her and, 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 you know, the government's shutting down again and you could do things remotely when she's going to do that, right? Yeah. Let's switch gears to a project mm-hmm. team where you're in your training or back when you were, you know, a project manager. Let's set sort of set the stage. It's a project meeting. It's it could be a kickoff, but let's just say we're you know into into a project and there's some kind of working meeting or status meeting about how things are going. And mm-hmm. most people don't go into those meetings with the first thought being that they should listen. <laughs> yeah, they go in there yeah. with the first thought that, and some of them might be expected to speak about some aspect mm-hmm. of the schedule or the budget or something in the project, mm-hmm. right? Quality, mm-hmm. and so they're ready to speak and most people are ready to speak what, mm-hmm. what, what do you see happen in those group discussions or what do you teach about the balance of listening do you use covey's line in your in your training do you recommend students listen and to be to understand and then and then have something to say 
from let's talk about from my experience and let me comment academically because sure. you know there are academic guidelines that we teach when we're sure. teaching project management well, let me start with that right. the academic is then the best practice is and what we've been teaching for the last 3 to 4 years or so is that every team when that team forms uh, should have a what we call a team charter. Right. And a team charter is it's really it works best when it's negotiated with the team. Right. The team does it. The team facilitates it. The project manager, I think, needs to be involved in it, certainly. But the team writes the team charter and the team charter sets what is the goal? How are we going to function as a team? How will we function in meetings? What is the, like, for example, we will show up at meetings and you must have a, um, you must have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And, and part of the bullet, one of the bullet points in a team charter would be that everybody should get an opportunity to share equally. Mm -hmm. And you could even have a bullet point that everybody must try to listen and to understand Mm -hmm. each other's perspectives. Mm -hmm. So you can actually build that into a handwritten document. Sure, sure. And it becomes a becomes a proclamation that this is how you'll function together. And we're teaching that now. Mm-hmm. now. That's never been I've been doing this. I mean, I've been teaching formally. I've been teaching project management since 08 or so. But I, I did it before that. Sure. And it's only been in the last few years that this has been a formal project artifact that is created along the way. So there's there's an academic reason to do this. There's an academic practice in doing this now. Putting that aside for a second, I think early in the project, it's good for the project manager to lay that groundwork and to state early in the project, look, you know, we, we want to respect each other and we want to listen to each other and we want to share sure. each other's ideas. But, and I think the but, although I hate throwing butts in, but <laughs> the but is we still got to get things done, folks, right, right, you know, right. And we still, and if we can collaborate, if we can reach consensus together, that's a good thing. Uh, but there will be times that I'm going to have to say, folks, look, we got to move on. <laughs> look, well, the customer wants this, and it's time to make and, and go this direction. Let's take a just a half step back. Um, there's some things yeah. in the PMBOK that recommend or stipulate what should be in a charter, but I, but mm-hmm. I, I. I heard what you said a little bit differently. Besides some things that maybe should formally be in there, like you said, for academic reasons, it's also useful, especially like you said, if the team develops it, it's useful for people to put in there as guidelines for their own behavior, right? Yeah. are guidelines for their behavior, how they want to interact with each other. Somebody I knew in D.C. who worked for, uh, I knew her when she was a staff to the um, uh, 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 a Congressional Commission looking at acquisition reform, mm-hmm. told me one time of a She's civilian, but she was on an Air Force project team, and they came up with guidelines like that uh, of their own. Mm-hmm. Not so much the mm-hmm. formal or official ones, but their own operating rules. For, uh, for example, they agreed nobody could, on a team, people could report to five or ten different chains of command, right? Yeah. Nobody yep. on the team would take something outside the team until it had been vetted by the team first, meaning you, you give the team a chance to work on something together. If you've got to take it up a chain of command, everybody understands that. Mm-hmm. But don't end run the team to do it. Bring it to the right. team first, especially if it's a problem. Bring the problem to the team first. She said that it was the highest performing team she was ever on. I mean, yep. the, the culture of that team, the esprit de corps and the team culture just was yep. at the highest level she'd ever worked with. 
Yep. And I yep. think it was partly, it could have been the personalities, it could have been the project, it could have been a few things, but it, what she mm-hmm. was telling me was it was partly because we said, here's how we're going to work together, and they abided by it. They stuck to it. Mm-hmm. So then you're and developing trust, right? Exactly. You're developing right. respect for each other. You might give yourselves an opportunity to problem solve, which you could have circumvented if you'd acted indifferent. And then you start to learn, geez, right. you know, Joe, Joe thinks of things this way. I don't, I want to bring this up to him because now I want to get a per- perspective I don't usually have. Or, yeah. you know, Amy, Amy, Amy's, Amy's always hard charging, but, mm-hmm. y- you know, she keeps us lined up to the, vi- you start to respect the differences that people have mm-hmm. and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe optimize with them. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting. Um, were you talking, was this a military project? Yeah. Yeah. The reason I say that is because, you know, I teach a lot of military folks. I just got back from, from Colorado at Fort Carson and I taught, there were 19, there were, there were half the class were officers, half the class were non-coms, but you see it and they'll tell you that you see it in the military. I mean, you're advising, you know, you have, you have junior people advising yeah. senior officers, yeah. you know, at the, at the major and the colonel level. Yeah. And, but in a classroom, you can't tell who's in charge. <laughs> and it's because it's because they're collaborating. They're yeah. used to collaborating really together. And, and it's, and you see that in the Pentagon. Really I mean, are. you, you know, we think that there's a very top down structure and on an org chart, it is very top down. It is. But they're not adverse to collaborating. No. They're not adverse to sharing ideas. As a matter of fact, it's an expectation it that you will advise if you're a, you know, if, if you're a lieutenant or a captain, it's expected that you will advise the major or the colonel, whoever's running your unit, that you will provide them with the information that they need and the advice that they need to run their unit. It's it's, you know, it's interesting because yeah. it's the the military demonstrates this better than the I think than the commercial world. It, it can, you know. I was years ago when we were both in Leesburg, I was doing some interest. The Air Force put all of its officers through interest based negotiation training. They mm-hmm. wanted that particular negotiate yep. form of negotiation training. Yeah, and so I'm and talking I know that's about your background too. Yep, now I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, there are generals in these classes. Yeah. Nobody yep. was exempt. Every officer went through like a three and a half day training, Joe. It's not a small yep. commitment of time. Right. I was chatting with a general to break and he said, you know, when I was a, when I was a young officer, I looked up the chain of command and couldn't wait to climb up there because I thought that's where all the decisions were made. And he said, now that I'm a general, he said, I realize my job is to make sure everybody below me is successful at their jobs. Yeah. Exactly. It just flipped for him as he went up the chain of command, and exactly. it is much more of that mindset of we're gonna we're gonna win or lose together. Right, right. Well, you just defined the definition of servant leadership. Right. In describing your example with the general, and I really feel that our industry, whether you're in project management or otherwise, is moving that direction. At least I hope so. We're moving away from command and control towards more of a you know, a servant leadership model where we're encouraging our job as leaders is to make sure we're creating other good leaders and we're yes. supporting them and yes. get the job done. And that's okay. very much inculcated in the military culture yeah. for a number of reasons, one of which is they move so often. Yeah. It's your job to re- to train your replacement. 
because you're going to rotate out at some point in time. I don't mean in 15 years, maybe two, maybe yeah, one, right? right? You're going to rotate out and you train exactly. your replacement and there's that ethic of succession plan, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know Bob Nunnally because you worked with him and uh, trained him. Remember mm-hmm. Bob's yeah. name? And he oh, was yeah. a, he's a retired Air Force colonel and he was in the Air Force, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years mm-hmm. ago. And, and mm-hmm. so at that time, he's, he, so I had, I had a conversation with him within the last couple of years about the appropriate use of command and control. And there's times when it's appropriate, like in, in dangerous situations and crisis situations. And, right, oh, someone's yeah. got to be in command and others have to follow. Yeah. Yep. And that's what that's you're exactly. in that role for. But exactly. apart from those situations, he said the fact that somebody can command someone, he said, is sometimes, and he emphasized it like this, <laughs> Joe, he said, it's the worst way to talk to somebody. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't emphasize yeah. enough. That's not the way, if you're yeah. a senior, anybody will do what you tell them they yeah. have. But that's not, exactly. that's not how they, you get the best out of them. No, Bob's real right. big on the servant leader, the leader yeah. uh, philosophy yeah. too, and I know you are. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting thing, Joe: project management and 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 the PMBOK are not the same thing. You can manage projects without the PMBOK, and right. it might go right. might go well or not. But the PMBOK is a de facto standard. It's sort of command and control. And it's by a guideline, name. right? It's not a mandate. <laughs> but it's we sort have of, to be careful. A lot of people think that, oh, I have to manage to do it right way. I have to manage the way it's textbook. That's where I was going with it because it's got yeah. it's got the feeling to it of command and control. Mm-hmm. Because it's a standard. It so many intelligent people. You look through the <clears throat> the preface of that thing. Yeah. So many experienced and intelligent people spent so many thousands of hours putting it together. Yeah. It's a there are best practices for a reason, and so you don't yeah. want to not follow best practices so you can have a you can accidentally or inadvertently adopt a command and control attitude or approach when you're and you're doing project management whether you're the project manager or you're running a piece of a project especially if they're big projects yeah so uh, what are you doing with that these days in training and what are you seeing happen well i think that it's interesting you bring that up because the project management institute i think recognize that and if you look at the new PMBOK and, and your, your experiences, at least from a PMBOK perspective, is, have been from, I think, PMBOK 5 and 6. Yeah. Now, PMBOK 7, PMBOK's all that structure, all that step-by-step, yeah. all that command and control, all that has been taken out of the new PMBOK. No kidding. PMBOK 7 is much more, it's like they played 52-card pickup <laughs> with all the processes. <laughs> And um, so they've, they've totally, they've destructured, if you will, all of those processes. And I mean, there's, there's, for example, the, the new test, the new PMBOK or the new PMP exam, uh-huh. I think 50% of it is, no, I'm sorry, 42% of it is about people. It's about managing. It's about leading. It's about building teams. Okay. okay. And they've never done that. It's always been about structure. The processes, structure, yeah, structure, right. Initiating, planning, executing. Yeah, right. And they took all that out. But, but but it's but the important stuff is still there, especially in planning. But it's much more about people, leadership, and process. I mean, people and leadership and team building and building a, a high performing team. All the things that we've been discussing. Okay. Has, has been moved into the new versions of the of the new version of the PMBOK. And even PMI is saying, hey, this PMBOK is not the end of all ends. I mean, they keep 
keep, they keep telling us, you know, don't tell people that the test is only about the PMBOK. The test is, is based upon six ah. or seven different periodicals, and the PMBOK is just one of them. Okay. So, Interesting. so they're loosening it up on all that. Interesting. Well, so, um, but, but your point is well taken because we have to think as project managers, which are leaders. I mean, project managers should be more than just dictators. They should be. And I I think this is the challenge because we have to know as project managers when to manage, meaning when to command and control and when to lead and when to collaborate. And we've got to be able to float between those two. And I think the new PMBOK, you know, is is trying to go that step in that direction. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it's a positive direction. Uh It was awkward when we first got it and had to teach it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a total different mindset. You know, the leader in me felt, wow, this is a good idea. The trainer in me said, oh, my God, I got to relearn. I got to readjust <laughs> on how I do all this stuff and yeah. how I teach all this yeah. stuff. But it's a good thing. And I'm adjusting. It's been a year now, so I'm adjusting. I've taught it, I don't know, six, seven times last year. Yeah. So I'm adjusting to it. We're changing all of our curriculum to adjust wow. to it. Because we have to move with, you know, sure. our, our classes have sure. to move with the industry. So. Sure. Do you see people aspiring to, let's say, lead by listening? Here's what here's what I was thinking of. Here's what came back to me. The definition of on the same page. I have a, an operating definition, a definition I use, but I want to share another one with you. Mine is mm-hmm. agreeing enough to take a next step together. Mm-hmm. So we don't talk about some total or final agreement, but Lou and Joe are agreeing enough to double check the numbers in that budget or to, to, to prototype something. We're agreeing enough to take a next step together to see what we find. Mm-hmm. I was talking to you know, someone else you know. You trained Rick Dudek. Yeah. Um, Rick and I recorded an episode a couple months ago. It's just going to get released, this, published this week. And he had a mm-hmm. definition that he said uh, that being on the same page meant I understood what you understand about a situation. I don't have to agree, but I understand how you see it and why you yep. see it that way. Yep. And you understand how I see it and why I see it that way. Now, to me, that's what you did when you had the call with your colleague. Mm-hmm. When you said, I'm going to go in and listen. Yep. It didn't mean you were going to abandon what you had to say. Right. It meant you wanted to know what was on her mind before you spoke, because you might learn something, yeah. you might it might make a, it might change it might make a difference in what you were going to say. And if it didn't, it, it, at least it's a more collegial conversation, right? Right, right. So exactly. to understand what someone else understands about a situation, I think gives two people or five people or ten people an opportunity to build very profound shared knowledge. Mm-hmm. If I'm budget and you're IT or you're production or you represent the customer or you represent, you're, you're focused on quality stakeholders, if I understand what you understand about a situation, we have more to work with. Exactly. Is that what you exactly. see? Is that, is that, how's that square with how you see movement in the industry, a role of, of leading in a different way, of yep. teams working in a different way? To answer your are you asking me do I see do I see the industry yeah, moving this way? Yeah, how's that fit? What I, do you... the the best the best way to answer it is I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think that uh, I I see it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
I think the industry seat, for example, you'll see servant leadership in Pinbox seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all over the place. That's interesting. And and the students that I've taught in That's PMP prep have told me, Joe, there was a whole bunch of questions on servant leadership, <laughs> right? So you see that those that are smarter than me in project management and the ways of the industry, I mean, PMI does exclusive, you know, yeah. studies yeah. and on what the industry is moving towards. I mean, my exposure is my experience sure. and my exposure with the folks that I teach. Right. And I see more of this. Yeah. Now they see a much bigger picture. Good so the answer to your question is yes, I think we're moving that direction. Good for PMI. Yeah. And and but I gotta stress that this is hard. It is. Certainly this is this I mean it's easy, and I think that Bob Nunley was telling you this. Hey, anybody can say you do as I say. Yeah. Right? You follow me. It's easy. You are loyal to me. You do as I say. Period. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Yeah. But actually putting, putting, telling your team members that, look, I care about you. I want to see you succeed. Yeah. I want to prepare you for the next yeah. job. Yeah. Going to your customers and say, hey, look, you know, what you want to do, we're going to do our best to get you there. But be prepared. This is not in your best interest or this may not be what, you know, this yeah. may not be in yeah. what society's okay. best interest is. Honest conversation. No, that's yeah. hard. <laughs> well, you know, what you else know? is hard is it changes the role of the leader, it changes the role of the team. Now, team members exactly. have a different expectation for how they step up to conversation. So mm-hmm. what we're talking about changes the conversation. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got to step up to a different conversation, and that's hard. Right. That's right. I, yeah, I'd, I, like to maybe just, I'd like to maybe just keep track of my schedule on Microsoft Project and report. Mm-hmm. No. Exactly. Now, if you're saying to me, if you're the PM saying, oh, oh, okay, thanks for the report, but Talk to us about what you think or what you know is going on with right. these two or three streams. That right, I gotta engage in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? What do you, you do? do? What? Do, what's? What's happening in the training where you're? Or how do students react to, to that? To that notion? Some probably like it. Some maybe less so. But what do you see? Well, well, we have to. You know, as an instructor, we have to. We have to walk that tightrope. Yeah. Because we got to teach both. You know, I got to tell students, look, your schedule is important. I mean, you're communicating. You you don't have endless time. You right. don't have endless resource. You right. don't have endless dollars. Right. So you got to know with, when you're on schedule. You got to know when you're slipping. And that's yeah. the first step is to know that you're slipping and understand how bad it is and understand or, you know, yeah. what the issue is yeah. and understand, can you bring it back and how do you communicate that? So the first thing is you lead with facts. You lead with data. Yeah. And then the next step is then you open your mind and say, okay, what can we do here, folks? Yeah. What are your ideas? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I hope I'm answering your question, That's but a good point. I think, I think that you have to lead with data, but you got to lead with humility, right? In other words, you got to yeah. say, I, I've been surrounded by team members and I look at them and I said, look, you know, I, I may not say this directly, but Hey, you're a lot more knowledgeable about this than I am. Yeah, sure. Right. I mean, you see the bigger picture. I'm just a lowly project manager trying to communicate and keep this thing on track. And I think that's hard for a lot of PMs to say, to delegate their their control to somebody smarter. I hate to use the term smarter. Let's use the term more knowledgeable. Sure. More knowledgeable about, about the impact of, than, right, than, than right, I am. Right. And we got to do that. And we got to... We have to recognize that that's not weakness, that's strength. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. To be able to go to a, an expert team member 
Uh, and by the way, expert judgment is all over the PMBOK, right? <laughs> so we got to be able to go to our experts and say, what do you think? How can we fix this? And well, be able to delegate your and, and have the humility to do that. And that's hard. I mean, that's hard for a lot. It was hard for me as I was coming up. That's a good point. Another but you, good. But when you realize a good servant leader says, I'm going to, I'm going to let go yeah. of my, I'm going to let go of my need to control and my need to be seen as the authority figure. And I'm going to do what's best for this project and what's best for my team. And I'm going to ask them what I think is what they think is best. And I might control the decision, but it doesn't mean I have to control all the input. Yeah, right. And so this is what we have to, this is what we try to teach uh, in our classes is that practice a little humility. That's Don't good... be afraid to, to yeah. delegate or to share. I, maybe that's a better word, to share your need yeah. for control with others around you. Well, it's, it, I love the distinction between controlling the inputs and controlling the decision, which mm -hmm. is say, an, as an output. Another person mm -hmm. you know, Tom Oates, talks about, his, we, I, he and I have recorded a podcast, he talks about using the intelligence of his team. Mm -hmm. So he runs a national program for a contractor. He doesn't know what his people, 90 people on his team across the country know about 90 things, mm -hmm. right? He, you can't. And so right. you're either going to, in his, in his phrase was, he does what you and I are talking about it, mm -hmm. as a means to the end of using the intelligence of the people who know best mm -hmm. and bringing it together. Mm -hmm. It's his job maybe more to bring it, to open up the avenues and bring it together. It's mm -hmm. not his job to know what they know. Right. I think we all want to be seen as experts. We all want to be seen as strong. We all want to be seen as capable, especially if you're in a leadership mm -hmm. role. You, you might be some image or expectations you have about what that means and how you think you should act. Mm -hmm. Not only made the comment that, you know, you're, you're really, you're responsible for the results. <laughs> That's part of what you're saying. You're mm -hmm. responsible for the results. You're not responsible for knowing everything. Right. You're responsible for the results. Right. You, you better get out of your way, your own way, exactly. to get exactly. input from your team to get exactly. the best result. Otherwise, the result you deliver could be inferior. And that's what's going to happen because nobody can know what they need to know about everything. Uh, even a big task, let alone a project. Yeah. Let alone right. a program. Right. right. The bigger you go and scale, you, nobody can know all those things. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. And, I like the I like the way you said it. Get out of the way. Sometimes the best leaders just know when to get out of the way yeah. <laughs> and let the let the people do the work. There's and, a um, and those that are smart. You know, I I share a funny story when I teach a class. You know, we'll go through test questions, uh -huh. and I tell my students if you get a test question and you're clueless uh -huh. of the answer, uh -huh. I mean absolutely <laughs> clueless, and you have no idea. An expert judgment is one of the answers. Just check it. <laughs> Just check it. Because PMI is so big on this. And they should be. And I am too. So, you know, if you're clueless, check expert judgment. Because we, they want you to surround yourself with people that know more than yourself. <laughs> yeah. and that's interesting, though, because on a team... It's, if you're the project manager, you might have some subject matter expertise. It could be in 
an area of a project. Maybe you came out of budget or, or, or you know, people or HR. And you might have some expertise in leadership and management. Uh, but on a project, there's a lot of expertise to go around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? There are how many domains of expert judgment? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, exactly. And, and so what we're talking about is the team lead drawing that out of people exactly for the benefit of of the team and i and and so another thing that the book i like called the knowledge illusion why we there's a subtitle to it that has to do with why we don't know what we think we know but in that book he talks about shared knowledge and shared intent mm-hmm. right so high yep. performing teams build a shared knowledge meaning I understand something more about how you see something mm-hmm. than I did before. We understand individually um, mm-hmm. how others under, how see, see the project, see the client, see the task, see a, a problem. That shared knowledge enables us to have greater shared intent. We can work better right. together on the right. basis of that shared knowledge. Right. And that shared knowledge and shared intent, I think, is uh, sort of ought, ought to be the result of what you and I are talking about. A greater shared yeah. knowledge and a greater shared intent ought to be the result of what we're talking about. Right. Exactly. And part of our part of what we need to do is as you know, as elders in project management <laughs> is to communicate that and yeah. encourage PMs to yeah. let go. It's okay not to know everything. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do, because even if you did know everything, you're in the weeds and yeah. you don't see the bigger picture. Right. This is why you have other people around you to be in the weeds. That's right. But it's also, it goes, Lou, it goes the other direction too. Your team members have to respect your role yeah, that's, that's right. and have to understand that you're accountable to the results. And this is where the difficulty comes in because your team members have to realize that, well, Joe doesn't have to know all the answers. And he doesn't have to. Um, he's looking for us to be trusted advisor. Right. He's going to listen to us, but we're going to respect him as he represents the project moving forward. Right. So this also goes back to getting on the same page, right? Yeah. We both have to have mutual yeah. respect. Our team and our project manager have to have mutual respect to each other. And when I came up through the ranks, it wasn't like that. The project manager was, was in the, charge. They were the CEO. <laughs> And you just did what they did. You did what they told you. Yeah. And yeah. and if you know if they told you to do something wrong or do something that was, you know, not the best way of doing it, you did it that way. Period. That's As the years a lot. go yeah. by, yeah. I think you know the next. This is why I'm passionate about this. Yeah. Because I want to train the younger folks to think differently. Yeah. Okay. I got. That's and good. you know, and if I'm teaching the right things, it's only because. Quite frankly, I've had big successes and I've had glorious failures <laughs> and and all of it, all of it can, um, you know, comes to the table, comes to the classroom. Lessons, yeah. Yeah. So if I can help a, a younger person uh, do it yeah. a little bit better and like have a that. different yeah. mindset, you like I hope that. it pays off for them. Cover a lot of good stuff. Was there something that we touched on you wanted to come back to or we didn't get to that you want to talk about? The only thing, and I made a couple of notes, you know, I'm big on keywords. I'm big on, you know, there are key phrases or key words that w- when you're talking 10,000 foot, yeah, 
at this type of conversation. And, you know, my key words are in, in, in any project, in any communication, to get on the same page, keywords like collaborate, mm-hmm. keywords like active listening, reflective listening. Yeah. Being, that doesn't mean you don't have input. So other words right. are like persuasion and influence, presenting influence. Yeah. And I think the other word that we didn't talk too much about I mean, I'm not a negotiation expert. You are, but knowing your BATNA, and as I understand BATNA, that's that's your. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's your bottom line. Mm. That's the line where you say anything below this, I can't agree to. And as project managers, you know, you're surrounded by, you know, in my experience, I've been fortunate. I've been surrounded by really good technical people, uh-huh. and really good technical people always want to make the customer happy. They always, they are saying, I've had people come into my office, Joe, I did this, I did that. And because they're going to love it, the customer's going to love it. They're going to ask for it anyway. And can I, I'm, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. Hey, great idea. Yeah. And I agree with you, but good technical people are not sitting in your chair. They're not seeing the cost. Right, 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 right. They're not seeing right. the, the, the schedule slippage. They're not seeing the expectations yeah. that, that I have to reset after you've made this product yeah. soup up. I mean, I had a situation <laughs> once that, that we had a, a, um, a, a, a technical guy, you know, souped up or made a particular product run faster. Uh-huh. And the client loved it. Uh-huh. They loved it. We were we were we were tasked with installing and and configuring one little product. Uh-huh. And of of the and the customer had bought like ten million dollars worth of software products. Uh-huh. These were service assurance tools. And um, he decided, in all his best interests and all his best intentions, hey, I'm going to reconfigure this. It's going to run faster, and the customer's going to love it. <laughs> and it did run faster, and they did love it. <laughs> Right. And then he says, the customer comes back to me and says, Joe, why doesn't the other $10 million worth of products run this fast? (laughs) (laughs) So you see, my point is as, as leaders, we also have to, we're seeing the big picture that our experts may not be seen. Right. Right. So understanding and communicating to them. And I used to tell my folks, look, you know, I love you. You guys know, I love you. But before you go to your our customers yeah. with these great ideas, please just come to me first yeah. and let's you and I kick it around and let's yeah. see strategically yeah. how we can work this idea in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or not so yeah. we can share the big picture. So I think in in our even in a servant leadership model, we have to understand where's our bottom line. We might refuse to tiptoe into a into a yeah into an area that just puts us in quicksand. Well, the, the, um, the leader always has to, is always making trade-offs. Yes. You're always making decisions about trade-offs of one right. kind or another. And there are people who have a part of a project who don't see those trade-offs, don't see maybe any or most of those any trade-offs. Of them, yeah. 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 It's not their job. They shouldn't exactly. see them. That's my job. <laughs> exactly. And, but the smart thing is what you're saying, which is come to me so we can talk about it because I, look, here's how it goes, Joe. They come to you and say, we want to make this go faster. And you say, but the client might ask why the rest of the product they buy from us doesn't go. And they go, I hadn't thought about that. Now, maybe there's a solution to that. Yeah, right. That emerges. 
right. wouldn't have emerged without that conversation. But right. also wouldn't have emerged if you had said, "Oh hell no, just forget it, just don't go right. there." Right. There's some you start you started off this whole episode saying challenge or sort of the heart of the matter of getting on the same page is about communication. Mm-hmm. And you know your example of making the bed and what that meant <laughs> as a but you see that's and like you said we all have that we bring that. Yep. baggage that 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 experience to a conversation so what i what i've been thinking about lately i'm working on a guidebook that will get into this is what does each of us see in a situation and and why those things you make mm-hmm. something of it why do you make that particular thing of it and not something else mm-hmm. you think we should do something about a situation as a means to an end why that thing and why that end why that means why that end and not some other everybody's got those mm-hmm. answers Mm-hmm. Maybe just maybe they're explicit and ready to be stated. Maybe they're implicit and need to be thought through a little bit more to articulate. Mm-hmm. I think when we decide what we should do on a team, all of what I just described to you is implied. We've someone has run through that, even if it's intuitively. The more we can make that explicit, the more we have to talk about with, amongst each other, and mm-hmm. the more. Uh, opportunity arises the more the sort of the magic can happen where someone goes i would go geez joe i didn't know that you were thinking about that well now that i realize it mm-hmm. hey, i've done this before mm-hmm. would it work now yeah. right you open up more possibilities and maybe that yep. communication is the art of the possible mm-hmm. now you still have to balance things you can't do everything as possible there isn't time there isn't budget there is not the right project for it. but it, it's best to surface those things Go with what you can, hold on, hold back on what you can't use. Mm-hmm. But I also think it creates a besides the merits of the project. I think it creates within the team an experience that people don't always have. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. he really did want to know. He said he did, and he really wanted to know. He really listened. We right. put together, we put into place as many ideas as we could, and we had to we had to back burner some, but we'll get to them another project or another 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 sprint, right? I think you build a different way of working together, which is part of what you said you were passionate about at this stage of your career, which is I'm going to help mm-hmm. younger people see how to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. See those possibilities and see right. that that's something that they should be aspiring to. Right. Not just how to build a work breakdown structure. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And a heavily dependency driven project schedule <laughs> that matches the WBS. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got to do both. <laughs> it makes my yes. job so challenging. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah. that's fair because that's that's life, and they're gonna yeah. pass a test to get certified, and they're gonna yeah. run a project where they have to do both. Right. Right. Exactly. But that's okay. It's best to be explicit about it and say, "Look, exactly. this is the reality of it." And probably right. back in the day when the command and control was the more the norm. It was still the case, Joe, that it could have been done yep. both ways. It was just being right. ignored. Right. It was overemphasis on. Yeah. And like you said, you can't overemphasize the other way. You can't overemphasize collaboration. You can't overemphasize yep. fact finding, discovery. Yep. You could take forever yep. and run out of budget and time and not get the job done. Right. Right. It's always a balance. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and you, you, you made a good example when you said, I could just stand and say to that technical person, we're not doing it, go away, right? Yeah. Stay focused on your project. Well, yeah. let's look at the bigger picture. 
you know, with this person, they're saying, oh, well, number one, Joe doesn't respect me. Right. Number two is, you know, and it goes, it runs deep. It runs deep. They could say, you know, my father spoke to me the same way. He didn't listen to me either. And all of a sudden you just lost a a good, valuable team member. So every time you need to work with that team member, six months, a year on something else, that person's going to say, well, Joe doesn't listen to me anyway. And it really makes it for a terrible dynamic for a team dynamic. Good point. You know, we think as leaders, well, if I give direction and I shut somebody down, they're just going to move on. It doesn't. These things run deep. It's a challenge. This is why I say servant leadership is hard. We got to come out of the our typical ways of thinking and think on the bigger picture. Well, and the things that run deep can work in our favor too if we learn how to, right? Because you want, if you ideally, you got a whole person coming to the project, not just right. their technical expertise. Exactly. And and. and and look, Joe, the truth is that's where we didn't talk about expert judgment. You used the phrase a couple of times and I meant to ask you mm-hmm. what the definition of it. But that's what expert judgment, expert judgment is not just technical in nature. It's much mm-hmm. more. It yep. could be moral and ethical, right? Yes. It could be yes. some business savvy. It could be some people savvy. It, it, there's a lot going on in expert judgment. And maybe implied in any expert judgment is trade-offs between these things. Yeah. Right? Right. And so it's it's something to to cultivate in somebody, which is what you're saying. You like the training to, these days to try to teach people to do both, to know the PMBOK, know how to do the, the, the basics of the project management. But when you mm-hmm. apply the basics, you're doing it with other human beings. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you're doing it with people right. and you want yes, the best robot that's right that's right and you want <laughs> the best of them on your project yeah because you get the best results and like you said six months or a year from now they're going to want to work with you again right right yeah. exactly joe i've all you know we, we go back 20 years i've always enjoyed our conversations and, and this yeah, is i've been learned this learned from this one and had a lot of fun yeah me too it was fun i enjoyed it Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, Lou. All right, hey, Joe. have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's how we see it, my friends. I want to thank Joe for recording today's episode. You can find it at iseewhatyoumean.castos.com, plus all the usual places. Send questions and suggestions through the app. Subscribe and give me a five-star rating, unless you can't, in which case, tell me why. And join me next week when we take another look at how to get on the same page and stay there, unless we shouldn't. 